0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. Uh, My name's Matt Davis. I've just heard my own voice on the trailer, which uh, I hate the sound of, so that might throw me off kilter a bit. But welcome to everyone for our latest episode, where we are joined by Red's correspondent Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah. How are you?
1: Hello, I'm OK, Matt. How are you?
0: Uh, very well, very well. We've got a special guest, a distinguished guest in Reds legend, Gary Bertels. Good afternoon, Gary.
2: First time i called that. You're very distinguished.
0: <laughs> You're a gentleman, a gentleman in Nottingham. So, yeah, welcome to um, the podcast again, Gary. Uh, second time here. You uh, For people watching, there's another episode with Gary, which is really good, talking about his career and playing under Brian Clough and uh, all the stuff uh, from when he was playing for England, Forest and Man United. So people can go check that out in the feed but in the meantime at the moment we're streaming on Facebook so if people want to uh, join in the comment sections normal and put questions to Gary and Sarah and comments we'll uh, bring a few up as we go along. I suppose though we should start with the big news of yesterday which was the departure of Jad Carvalho on a season-long loan to Almeria if I'm saying that or Almeria in Spain. Um, Sarah why don't you just start by telling people about the details is an option to buy or anything like that?
1: Yes, season-long loan um, with an option for um, Almeria to buy at the end of that. Um, yeah, it, it, he always polarises opinion a bit, um, Yao Carvalho. Great player. I, I really like him. Big fan. Huge, huge talent. Um, I just don't think he, he's done it quite consistently enough for Forrest. Um, he's had a few chances. I mean, you can say that he's, he's not had a... Um, a regular run of games, that probably didn't help and he's not been in his his favoured position a lot. But I still think he didn't quite have that consistency that he needed. Um, no question about that. He's a, a massively, massively talented player though. Um, so it's a shame to see him go. But I think at this point it was probably right for, for all parties. Maybe he needed a fresh start. He wasn't going a look in. This season, he wasn't playing. Um, He was training separately. Um, So I think more than anything for him, he he just needed a a new start. And hopefully he does well. Hopefully he goes there and um, realises his potential.
0: What was your take on him, Gary, from watching him for the former player's eye? What did you make of Carvalho in in a
2: Forest shirt? Frustrating to say the least, but I've got a bit of sympathy for it because you look at the nature of the way Forest play, which has been very negative, we're under the last what three three managers, um, and he, he's, he's that sort of player who makes things happen in the final third. And when you're only playing one up front and you sit on the back foot for most of the game and then you try and counterattack, I think it's very difficult for a player like him to get involved on a regular basis. You know clearly he's got ability. Um, there's no real end product, but the reason for that was because very few people were getting into the box. You know, the way Forrest set up with Lewis grabbing up front and that's it. You know, there's no plan B, very rarely from any other managers. I mean, the situation is we saw last season, Forest were behind in two games and they only came back um, to win. No, they, they only came, they were behind in, they won two games they were behind in all season, Luton and Stoke. So when they go behind, they're very difficult to come back and win a football match. And that that is really damning. And for a player like Cavallio to come in and play in a system like that, I think is very difficult. So I hope he goes on and he proves people wrong because it'd be sad because a player of his ability can very easily get bogged down, lose his confidence and just disappear. And you don't want players like that to do that.
0: Looking at the comments, lots coming in about Karenka. Uh, Karenka sorry, Carvalho. Uh, Owen Bailey says Karenka built the team around him and he looked good. Other managers haven't given him much chance, which kind of echoes what Gary was saying. And also um, Dan Smith played well under Karenka in a weaker side and suffered under negative managers. I kind of think or wonder, I don't know if victim's the right word, but obviously Forest have had this scattergun approach of signings over the last three years. I don't think they, anyone could dispute that when you look at the number of players they've signed. Um, and he did fit in under Karanka and they've not really bedded him in uh, or found a way to utilise him in the next two managers. I put on Twitter, I'd love to see him playing under Paul Hart, that kind of team, the way Forrest went about it. Do you feel a bit sorry for him, Sarah, or do you think there's always the onus on a player to actually adapt to, to the manager?
1: I think there's there's probably a bit of both. I do, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Um, I think if he'd been given a kind of free role and given free reign to kind of do what he wanted a little bit. You might've seen more from him um, and you might've got the best out of him, but that's not the way that, that Forrest have been set up. Um, and yes, the, it, there is then kind of the onus on the player to, you know, to fit around what the manager wants, because ultimately, you know, it's the manager who's in charge. He says, he outlines the plan and, and tells the players what he wants. Um I, yeah, I feel a bit of sympathy for for um, for Yao. Probably a bit like Gary says. I think you he's such a good player that you either kind of build a team around him and you make everybody fit around him, um, or you you just you kind of use him a little bit and don't perhaps get the best out of him. Um, and yeah, I think probably a, a move away was um, was right for him at the moment.
2: Uh,
0: David Hoyle says, Gary, get your boots on. How many minutes from your legs these days, Gary, would you say?
2: Not a great deal, I'm afraid. I, I, <laughs> somebody was, well, I, was, I went out from a walk the other day and there was a couple walking the dog and he was kicking a tennis ball around and he kicked it near me. He said, oh, That that's, uh, it's all right, that lad will go and sort it out. Uh, he can play. And I said, oh, that was a very long time ago. I said, I wish I could get my boots on now. But I, I don't possess a pair of boots. Um, I think the last ones I had were in Grimsby Docks. <laughs> uh, when I finished there, I, th- I think they got thrown in Grimsby Dock. So, uh, yeah, without football boots, but uh, you know, the mind's still willing, without a doubt.
0: Um, you watch quite a lot of European football, Gary, for Sky over the years. Do you think Carvalho might be uh, might flourish in Spain with the kind of different style of football over there?
2: Well, I did a lot of Spanish games for Sky uh, when when they had the contract for it, and. Yeah, he would fit into that without a doubt. Um, like Sarah said, I think she's right. You, you've got to try and maybe make him feel welcome, make him feel like he's the focal point, that everything revolves around him a little bit. And he's a he's a positive player. He's a talented player. And you get restricted in a, ne- a negative setup when you're that sort of player. Everything's expected of you to do everything, to, to create things. But when you've got only one player more or less in the box all the time, which is Lewis Grabben, You know, you struggle to pick people out. You know, you look good until you get to the edge of the box and then people are saying, right, make something happen. They're looking for him to stick one in the top corner every time he gets the ball or pick a great pass out or or cross. That wasn't always possible. I always used to count the number of bodies in the box. And time after time, you know, you saw there was one in there, one just arriving very late. And you can't expect a player, no matter how good he is, you know, even in the Premier League, to be able to do that. I watched Liverpool the other night against Arsenal and the game they played, it's just unbelievable. It's how good you are without the ball. Liverpool were brilliant without the ball and the press they had high up the pitch just was phenomenal. I mean, it's Liverpool, the better players. But you can introduce that to, you know, your a, a championship team. You know, we saw the three teams that went up deservedly went up because of the way they played. You know, they were positive. They got players forward in the final third. There was always an option for the man on the ball. And if Carvalho was in a side, any one of those three sides, I think he might have flourished. But unfortunately, he played under negative managers.
0: Uh, last Carvalho comment I'll just flash up from Simon Whitehouse. An exceptional talent. I hope we find a system from in the future. We'll see about that, Simon. Uh, so that's eight minutes talking about Carvalho or me waffling at the start. <laughs> Let's um, talk about the uh, other potential outgoings. Forrest have got like 30... 30- Five players or something now, um, Sarah. Who else do you think could go? Figueiredo silva has been mentioned. A couple of right backs. What do you think we'll see in the next few days?
1: I think we'll see a lot of departures in the next few days. They need to get rid of a lot of players. It's a really top-heavy squad at the moment, and there's a lot that are are not part of the manager's plans. They're not part of the first team setup. There's a few who, like um, Carvalho, are training separately at the moment, and. <laughs> Getting those kind of players moves is probably easier said than done because they haven't been playing a lot of them. Um, I mean and Bong, for instance, he's played that one game. Um he's he's not part of um Savory plans, but trying to, to find a move for him is probably gonna be difficult because nobody's gonna be nobody's seen him. Um, same with Zach Clough, he's not played for a long time now. Um Michael Heffler, another one, Johan Beneloen, um there's quite a few that Forrest have They've been there for a while who haven't been in the picture um, but Forest haven't been able to get moves for them. Um I mean they'll obviously try before a deadline, but again, I think a lot of them it's easier said than done. Um Albert Adoma is another one. Um I'm trying to think now. There's quite a few. Um equally they need to get rid of a, a couple of probably a couple of right backs. Um, they've got four at the moment. There's talk of um Tendai Derikwa or and or Carl Jenkinson going on loan. Um Tobias Figueiredo understand that he for non-footballing reasons he'd favour a move back to Portugal um, you can't argue with that one I don't think um, if that is the case um, I think there's, there's probably a bit of doubt about Yuri Roberto as well the, the speculation around him and um, a move to Le- Olympiacos that one doesn't seem to go away same with Thiago Silva so I think probably in the next few days we're going to see quite a few heading out to the exit door
0: Gary, if you're a footballer on uh ten twenty thirty grand a week and you're told you've got to take a pay cut to go somewhere else, uh I know what you do what do you understand why some players might be reticent to go out unless it's on loan where someone else tops up their wages or something
2: well, that was going to be my point agents will say to their players right, you don't have to go anywhere you're on very good money here, and there lies the problem with most football clubs. You know, every football club has that that problem. They have a lot of players. Some won't go on loan. Some don't want to. They'll just sit there, pick the money up, and you know that's it. So it becomes very difficult, and that wage bill has got to be very, very high at the moment. And you, you talk about people like Silver. He's another one who you thought, well, yeah, what a, what a great ability he's got. But again, it, I think it's similar to Carvalho with him. He's he's in a negative setup where he wants to be a positive player. And he's being restricted. You can see them. You know, they're desperate to get forward, get in, in, in good areas, create things for other people, but they're not being allowed to. And the the number of players they've got at the moment is cr- it's just absolutely ridiculous. And if you carry on with that workload, with that number of players, with that wage bill, you know, sooner or later, maybe the the owner might just get a little bit fed up of it. And uh, it's difficult to see a way around it when you have got the agent saying, right, You don't have to go anywhere. You're on this money. Just stay there. Not a problem.
0: Sarah, I was going to ask you about a couple of potential incomings, even though Forest have signed 12 players. Um, Is this Cafu one going to happen in terms of a swap for Silver? do you think? That sounds like it's pretty likely.
1: Yeah, I I think that's probably... uh, There's probably something in that one. Um, I know there's people questioning why they need another central midfielder, but... (sighs) Yes, they have got a lot, but equally, I mean, Sam Basal probably isn't going to play every game. He's still struggling with his knee problem. Um, They've got um, Fred Basharou. He's out with injury at the moment. So I know it's another central midfielder, but obviously it looks like it's going to be part of the deal that sees um, Thiago Silva heading in the opposite direction. So... In- incomings and outgoings, I think. They- they're still looking for a winger. That's definitely a priority. I think they, they really need to strengthen there um, because they they need some more creativity. They need somebody that can help create goals and help score goals because they haven't got any yet.
0: Uh, Camel Grzycki, Sarah, is the name that's um, coming up. Darren Price mentioned that in the questions uh, fairly far back. And Camel Grzycki is a name that's been linked quite a few mm-hmm. times. Going back to O'Neill... Uh, is that one that you wouldn't be surprised by? Then, when you mention wingers,
1: no, not at all. I think he's someone that's been on the radar for quite a while. Um, it's no surprise to see his name crop up again. Um, he'd be—I mean, he'd be a decent signing. I think he's obviously got great experience. Um, I guess we just have to wait and see whether that one comes off or not.
0: What about the general volume of signings, Gary? If you're a player in the dressing room, I asked this to David Prutton last week about how would you react to 12 players coming in. Uh, if this had happened when you were playing, how would you have embraced that?
2: The, the way I always did. You know, it's, you've know, you got to be a really good player to get my position and, and keep me out of the team. You know, When Trevor Francis came in, uh, all the pressure was on myself and Tony Woodcock. But you, know, you strive to say, right, I'm going to train, I'm going to play well. And you, you, if you get in, you'll have to be playing extremely well to, to get me out. And uh, that's the only way you can look at it as, as a player. That's the way you should look at it. And I hope everybody's professional enough to do that as players now. Um, you know, sometimes you see Gareth Bale's got a lot of stick about, you know, preferring golf and not wanting to play over there and things like that. And I think the, the modern game's very different to when we played because the money's, you know, a hell of a lot more. We just played the game because we love playing football. You know, I I couldn't wait to get out on the football pitch, and I was lucky enough to get that opportunity to do that after laying floors for a living. You know, so that that was just a, a massive incentive for me to go and want to succeed. Where it's a little bit diffi- different now, the the players' wages are di- massively different, and I not got a problem with that. That's not their fault. You know, like, you know, you 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 can't help when you're born. You know, you get paid a lot of money for for doing the game now, and yeah, fair play to them if, if they earn it. You know, like go back to Liverpool. I watched that performance the other the other day, and you see players at the top of the profession loving everything they do and earning the money and not worrying about the money as much. They're desperate to win things, and that's the mentality I love. That Liverpool mentality has always been there, and uh, you know we had that when we played, and I think that's gone out the game a little bit because the money is so high and so good. Uh You know you can get individuals who just think, "Well, okay, you know I'm getting paid this much money don't care if we win anything I'm still getting the money and you know it, it's easy to get into that sort of frame of mind it's not my frame of mind, but you know i can I can see that money can turn heads in uh any walk of life, and uh it's sad because you only get one opportunity to play football in your career, and uh you know I wouldn't change when I played for the world no matter how much money was in there and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's a strange one at Forest at the moment. A lot of players in there, thirty-five players. How do you accommodate all those players? How do you keep that many pay- players happy and part of the squad and on a positive note? It's it's so difficult.
0: Uh, lots of questions coming in, so I apologize. apologize if I haven't got to them yet. We'll kind of wade through them as we go. I wanted to ask um, Gary. Obviously, last time you came on, I think it was pre-season. Um, Results have been dire. How, what have you made of just performances? Have they been as bad as the results, do you think, from what you've seen? I think the best
2: bit of performance we saw was probably the when we went two up front. Um, against, was it against Cardiff when we were mm. Two, mm. went 2-0 down? Second half was just unbelievably better. Didn't create many chances. We looked like we were going to create chances. Uh, but when you defend like we did for a, a set piece... And we know what Keeper Moore's like. He was in Forest Radar as well at one point, I believe. You know, you get your best player marking him, your best header of the ball marking him. And the second goal, you know, when you're giving goals away like that, to bounce back from them is very difficult in a game. And I thought LaMouche might be a little bit more positive after going to up front in the the game afterward, the Huddersfield game. But he he took uh, striker off and put Graben on. You know, what's the point? You're losing a game. And that's why Norwich got relegated from the Premier League. You know, everybody's saying, well, they played, you know, a lovely way, pooky up front. But every time they went behind, they substituted him and put another guy on up front and kept the same system. You know, so in that respect, you deserve what you get because you're predictable. You're not going to get out of a situation by doing exactly the same thing. And I think uh, Lamousie against Huddersfield surprised a lot of people by doing that. And you've got to be brave. Sometimes we're not brave at the moment. And when you're on the back foot all the moment, all the time, trying to defend situations and hold on to one goal leads, you know that, that pressure becomes very intense indeed. You can't do it consistently, and things have to change. I think there's a scattergun effect when we go behind. You know, We'll throw three subs on, but we don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, let's just hope one of them does something for us. You didn't seem any plan to it and uh, you know that's the disappointing thing there's got to be more positivity with a squad that big you know try and mix it up you mentioned a winger coming in where's he going to play you know apart from on the wing but what system is he going to play if he plays you know what system is Lamusi going to play with a winger there is he going to play four-three-three? 3 you know he, to accommodate a winger you have to change the system a little bit instead of one up front so It'll be interesting to see if a winger does come in and, and where he fits in and how the, he fits into the system that he's going to play.
0: What did you make of looking at specifics and the, the Huddersfield game, Sarah? What did you make of the midfield balance with Arter, Colbach, and South? Three fairly similar players in a sense. Uh, Arter is probably the most advanced of the three. What did you make of the balance uh, that Forrest had in that game?
1: I thought, First half, Forest looked alright. I, I actually thought they did okay first half. Um, second half, they were. it was just so flat and so, um, they just didn't offer anything. It was just back to being kind of really, they were struggling. Um, I, I think they're really lacking confidence at the minute. They're lacking that conviction. So either, even when they do get chances, and they did have some at Huddersfield, um, same as they've had some in the other games, you know, on an, another day, it could have been different, but... They're just not taking them. They're just not looking. Probably like Gary says, brave. They're they're just not having that that conviction when they're they're in front of goal to put the ball in the back of the net. And when they get in good positions, to make it count. Um, I think that, that he he did change the system on Friday. He went four three three. Um, Lyle Taylor was still really isolated, even. You know, even though they because did have, but... didn't
2: look like a four-three-three,
1: it didn't. No, it didn't. It you didn't. know,
2: four-three-three is what Liverpool play.
1: Yeah,
2: that's a four-three-three. That's a proper four. We're talking about Premier yeah. here, but I'll go back to when we played, and people can say, "Oh, you're you're in the past, this, that, and the other." But you look at things that work, and you know, I remember the Liverpool side, Rush and Dalgleish. I think somebody was it, Graham Sumner's mentioned Ian Rush the other day, or somebody did, saying he defended from the front. You know, even in those days. Uh, and he would fit into that Liverpool team now, which he would without a doubt. And the fullbacks in Liverpool, they cause all the problems because Mm. they get forward, they push on, and they've got the conviction to do that and still win the ball back in the opponent's half because they commit people forward. We don't commit people forward, you know, in the Forest team at the moment, and teams find it very easy against us to play out from the back because... Lewis Grabbin never, you know, he never chases across the line and tries to close, you know, um, uh, back four down. At least Taylor, you know, you, do, you see him work; his work rate is, is quite intense. He tries to uh, close off that avenue to stop players playing from, out from the back. And you've got to give him credit for that. But like you say, he was isolated again, even in this so-called 4-3-3. Our 4-4-2, when we had John Robertson and Martin O'Neill on the other side, we had John McGovern, who you know, was the protector who, you know, he wasn't allowed to come possibly over the halfway line as much as he'd want to. But then we had players like Ian Bowyer and Archie Gemmell from midfield who would go beyond the strikers, you know, past the strikers and cause defenders problems. You know, who then picks them up? If you've got a lazy midfield player who doesn't come with them, then you're in trouble. Then, you know, the, the onus comes on the back four. But you don't see any midfield of our players go past the striker. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. And the onus then becomes on Lewis Grabham maybe to keep scoring goals. And he's missed quite a few chances early on in the season. His, his confidence will go a little bit with that. And, you know, the pressure has always been on him more or s- single-handedly t- to score the goal. So the onus has got to be passed along the line to other players from midfield. Don't just rely on him all the time to be able to get us out of trouble.
0: What about the back four then, Sarah? All, all changed. There was a lot of criticism of the full-backs. And I, to be fair, I thought they were pretty average on the night. What about uh, that and the back two? How did you think Embasso and uh, McKenna did?
1: I actually thought they did OK. I thought as a, a partnership, they look all right. Um, Lower Cambezo looks like he could be a really good player. Um, given time, I think he, he could be a decent find for for Forrest. Um, and that partnership with Scott McKenna worked really well. They both seemed pretty comfortable on the ball. Um they they both looked quite cool and composed given it was their, you know, their debuts and both of them their first experience of championship football. Um I thought probably like like you said, that the two fullbacks it, it didn't really work. Um Tyler Blackett didn't have the best of games at left back. Um but he, he did at QPR. He played there at QPR and I thought he did all right. So I I'm not sure that you could completely write that that one off. Um, Cyrus Christie started okay, but faded a bit as the the game went on. Um, but I don't think we'll see too many changes to that on Saturday. Um, I can't. I mean, maybe Nicholas Ione will come in and make his debut at left back, but otherwise, I would expect. Those three, Lower Cambe so Scott McKenna, and, and Cyrus Christie to start again, um, because you can change your back four too much. They, at times, they look like a, a group of, of strangers, which is essentially what they were, because that you know they barely had any time to train together. Scott McKenna had signed that that week, just a few days earlier, um, so th- they hadn't really got used to playing with each other, and they made a sloppy mistake that was kind of what cost the goal, um, and you know they, they could have had another one towards the end, but. Overall, I thought those two did all right, McKenna and Laura So,
0: Here's a challenge for you both. I should have told you to have a pen and paper, and this is for everyone who's watching then. Um, Can people name their best 11 out of the current squad in the comments? And I'll ask Gary a question, and then Sarah can think of her best 11, and then I'll give Gary a bit of time to think about it. Um, The question for you, Gary, then, is you you play centre-half late in your career. How hard is it to play not just with a new central defensive partner, but two new full-backs as well. That's quite a big ask of them to to come in, isn't it? McKenna and Emberso and have a whole new back four around them.
2: I, I thought, like Sarah, I thought the two centre-halves did particularly well, especially bringing the ball out from the back. Uh, they came across the halfway line, they were productive. Um, and I, I think the full-backs have got to be a bit more proactive as well to be able to do that. Uh, I think they're going to be a danger in the opposition's box as well, the two centre-halves. If the service is anything like as good as it should be, um, it's it's difficult to pick a best eleven at the moment out of thirty five, mm. isn't it? Though mm, um, true. you I'm know we have uh, really. played so far, it's been. I mean, you've just got to say, right, hold on a minute. We've played what? Is it five games now, including the cup? No goals, no points. You know, the only saving grace at the moment is that Derby are below us. <laughs> you know, it's, um, uh, and that's the only thing you, you Forest fans can look at and maybe have a little smile about but it's not about you know where Derby are it's about where Forest are and yes we had a, a real upset at the end of last season but professional players have got to get that out of the systems and you know you've got to forget about things like that and and you know try and do everything you possibly can on the training pitch and then take it out with confidence onto the pitch and if you, if you can't do that then you know he's got to look elsewhere
0: Have you done yours Sarah?
1: I'm still thinking. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Um, I can tell you the goalkeeper.
0: <laughs> I've done one. i got. To, I'll, okay, move. go on. I'll, I'll do I mine. You, go, just,
2: just going back to your main point about the back four. When I played centre half, I, I found it quite easy. I mean, there was talk about me getting called up to play for England because uh, I love centre half. Because as a striker, I You know, I knew where the set forward was going to run. What I did as a centre-half as well, uh, I played at Grimsby with a lad called Paul Futcher, uh, who was great on the ball as well. And we talked, we shouted, we cajoled. You know, we yeah, I did that at Knox County when I played at the back and when I played at Forest. Because if you're vocal and you, you're trying to organise your back four, your, your full-backs, telling them to tuck in, you know, telling them to go forward or drop back, I'll go, you know... If you're vocal and you show leadership uh, out on the pitch... And I don't think Forest have got that particularly. I don't think they've got that vocality in the right areas. Um, I I was staggered last season to see Michael Dawson never at the end of the season be brought on or played because of his experience. You know, he would have been perfect in some of the situations we found ourselves in. You know, at the end of games needing to hang on to, you know, wins which we didn't. He would have been perfect to bring on. And you know, sort of advise to shout to cajole people, he's that sort of player, and he was never used and utilized. And that was one big mistake I think Lamouche made at the end of the last season.
0: Let's read it, or put a couple of these up then. Start with um Greg Orham, uh, a bit higher up there. Oh, where's it gone? I've lost it. There it oh, there is. Sorry. No, I've got it. Samba, Christie, Warrell, McKenna, ianu if that's how you say it. Freeman, Artic, Holbeck, Taylor, Graben, and Amiobi. So that's two up top. Uh, Dan Smith has also got two up top. Uh, Samba, Christie, Warrell, McKenna, Ribeiro, Artic, Colbach, Freeman, Taylor, Graben. It might be the same 11. Andrew Chard. Um, and I'll read them out for people who are listening um, on iTunes after this. Uh, Samba, Christie, So, McKenna, Ianu. Arter, Goldback, Freeman, Mighton, Amiobi, and Graben. And I'll just read one more out, so I think more come in. Uh, Paul Reed, Smith, Christie, So, McKenna, Ribeiro, Freeman, Arter, Colback, Taylor, Graben, and Amiobi. Right, I'll do mine, and then we'll go uh, around the room, so to speak, with Sarah and Gary. Gary. So, uh, this is probably um, a bit too attacking, but we'll see. Samba, in goal, Christie, Warrell, McKenna, Ayanu as the back uh four, uh Arta and Sao uh in central midfield, both uh, Arta pushing forwards hopefully. Lolly and Graben out wide, uh Lolly and Amiobi out wide, excuse me, and then Taylor and Graben playing together up front. Which I think's all right. Sarah, what have you got?
1: I think I, I would if they can get it right, I think the four three three can work, but you are relying on your fullbacks to to get forward and push forward more from midfield. But I would go with um Samba, Christy at right-back. Um, centre-halves are tough. Probably McKenna and Worrell. Um, Ribeiro probably at left-back because we've not seen Iona yet, so a bit unsure as, as to how he would look, although it looks like Ribeiro might might leave. Um Midfield, probably Colback, Sal uh, and Arter. And then up front, Lolly, oh, I don't know actually. <laughs> Very
2: Loli.
1: difficult, Sarah, isn't it? It is. It really is. Yeah, Lolly Grabbin and an Amiobi, but then you're missing Freeman. Then I've missed Freeman out, and I think he he can be a really good player.
0: Yeah, I left Freeman out as well because he he's, he was been fine, but I think he falls into the Carvalho trap a bit of how you get him in the mm. game. I mean, Forrests have to utilize him. Uh, I didn't pick Ribeiro because I think he's going. By the look of it, he seems so out of favour. And I didn't pick Colbacks I've been a bit disappointed in Colback, But yeah. I think he did him plenty of mitigation, because he didn't play for a year. So I think he's going to need a bit of time to um, acclimatise. It's a tough ass to throw a bloke in for no football for a year and play four games and actually be dominating midfield. Um, so that's my take, anyway. Gary, have you had a chance to pick an eleven?
2: I don't need to pick an eleven because... It's down to the manager to get the system right first to then accommodate those players within that system, and until he does that and, and be more positive then i don 't think things are going to change he 's got to get that system right it 's got to be more positive it 's got to be more productive more attack minded and if you get if you get into the player 's mind what system they 're playing and what you want them to do I, I go back I keep i don 't like keep mentioning Liverpool, but I have to because I couldn't believe how good they were. It's like the Barcelona team of old and the Spanish team that were winning everything. They were brilliant without the ball, but they pressed high. They were confidently pressing in the opposition's half. We don't do that. We leave Lewis grabbing up by himself. We let the opposition have the ball and say, right, come and break us down. And I don't think we're good enough to do that. You know, we got away with murder at times last season, a lot of the time. And I mentioned that fact about the two games... You know where we only came back and won two games where we went behind, which was Stoke who were uh, having a terrible time at the, that point, and Luton. So that's very damning for me. be product, be, be more positive, get your setup right. if it's four, three, three, play it as a four, three, three. Look at Liverpool. Yeah, they're not as good players as Liverpool, but you look at the system and put players in that system and say right, you know you, you can tell your fallbacks to right do what they do. You, you're not as good as they are. Quality might not be as good going, you know, getting in the box and everything. Of course it isn't. But at least you can try to do that and pen teams in their own half, in their own box, and make it very difficult. Force them into mistakes deep in their half. Don't allow them to come out and play easy. Because that's what Forest do at the moment. Allow teams to come out. It's so comfortable for them to break forward. Yes, we've done well defensively, but you're always going to get found out because you're always under pressure. And you you cannot expect a team in the Championship to play like that and and get into the positions we need to get into. Yes, we got into the playoff positions, but I I think we had a lot of luck. We rode a look at times. um, And if he gets that right, if he he gets it in his own mind, right, I am going to be more positive. I am going to set this team up um, in a way that I think will cause problems for the opposition in their half, if he's brave enough to do that, I think we have the players in that squad who can do the job really well. It's not a bad squad, um, you know, with those players. If you get your right system and your right players in your mind to fit that system and practice on it and the training pitch and say, right, this is how it's got to be. Be brave. Close people down in their own hearts, Force mistakes. Don't sit back. Let us be proactive instead of negative. I think that's what we're all seeing at the moment. You ask the majority of Forest fans and they'll probably say the same. That squad is not bad at the moment. And I think with the right tinkering and the right positivity, you know, we can turn it round.
0: Do you think once they get a couple of wins, they'll get going then? If the manager unleashes the shackles as you see it, do you think it's just a mentality thing as well?
2: Well, what's the problem? Why why not? It's not working what we're doing at the moment. So why not try something different? Why not go to up front? I I had to more or less switch it off when he took... uh, You know, one striker off and put another one on. I thought, right, let's go two. We need to win a football match here. And I watched how, you know, positive Huddersfield were. You know, they were going forward, flowing forward, getting players forward, getting people in the box. And they were always looking like they were more dangerous than we were. And why not look at other teams and say, well, we can tweak our team. We've got that sort of player in our team. But we don't. We stick with that same negativity and it just doesn't work. People know what we're about. And I think they find it easy to play against us.
0: Let's turn our attention towards Bristol City a bit, then, Sarah. I mean, do you think is Lamucci that stubborn that he won't change it now, or you think he's going to? I don't know. Writing on the wall isn't the right phrase, but it's not working. Do you do you think that he he will adapt going into the Bristol City game, or do you think it's going to be a very similar setup and mentality to, to Huddersfield?
1: I think, it, I think he, he they need a goal. They need to get a win. They need to they need to be positive. Um, I can't see him going with two up top though. Um, I mean, we've asked him about it, and he said he, he, he would be prepared to do it, but it depends on Lewis Graben and, and Lyle Taylor being hundred percent. And he don't he doesn't think that they both are at the moment. Um, so I, I can't see that happening on on Saturday. Um, so I think it will put. I, I would think he will probably go back to his 4 3 one kind of setup. Um,
2: but... So You've made a good point there, Sarah. I, you know, he doesn't think that the two of them are 100%. Mm. Well, why is he buying players that we don't need in positions that we don't need? He's bought another goalkeeper. We don't need another goalkeeper, really. He's buying players in other positions that we don't really need. What we've lacked all the way through, if Lewis Gravener got injured, a bad injury, halfway through last season... We wouldn't have been in the position. We would have been in the bottom half of the table, without a doubt. Because we've got nobody to replace him. We were lucky in that respect that he played that many games and he scored that many goals without getting injured. And it was crying out when Keeper Moore came up in the, you know, the papers. I thought, yeah, that's going to be a decent. You know, that could be a decent buy. Gives us a different option. He's tall. He's strong. He's good at set pieces. He'll upset defenders. And to be fair, Taylor's has upset defenders. He Mm. backs in. He's a little bit nasty. You know, he puts himself about. You know, totally different to Lewis. Um, So why not try and play those two up front? What has he got to lose at the moment? Because we've played four, lost four. Haven't scored a goal. Why not just say, right, let's just go for it. Bristol City, let's let's remind everybody, top of the league. You know, they were good last season. They are difficult to beat. They're a very... Positive attacking minded side, and if you let if you sit back against them and allow them to dictate, they'll just beat you. Simple as so, no, why not go positive and say, Right, okay, we're going to surprise you here, we're going to go two up front, see what you think about that. You're going to practice for playing us with one up front, our usual way of play, and we'll break you down and we'll beat you. But if you play two up front and you, you you know, you get your full backs bombing forward and you force them under under pressure in their own half make them make mistakes they might just surprise them but we don't surprise anybody it's predictable and it's got to change because if it keeps being predictable we won't win football matches
0: Gary, you're getting some love from the viewers. Hundred percent agree with the legend. Although, well, I assume that's for you, Gary. It's probably not for me, Sarah. It's will be Sarah.
1: No, no, no
0: definitely not. Um, uh, Adam always would. I hope Savvy's watching this now and getting some ideas. Um, Sarah, is Guerrero meant to be that batting ranky for more option? Of we see, I haven't seen much of him. Is that is that the theory? Yeah,
1: I think I think he's perhaps not in the same kind of mold, but he's he's similar. He's kind of a a big not kind of a big lump but he he brings that kind of style of play I think he's he's very different to Lewis Graben and Lyle Taylor he's a very different option um I I don't think he'll start many games I think he's the kind of player that he perhaps bring on from the bench and hope that he he ruffles a few feathers and gets a few defences going and and tries to create problems Um, and hopefully he gets a few goals and um I think it's just about he was about having a different option I think he was perhaps something was something that forrest lacked last season so he can be something different to bring on off the bench
2: Can I can I just say something about you know the stats I hate stats I've never been a stats person because they can be so misleading but with forrest they weren't misleading last season you look at, I look at every game the possession shots on target and we've got to be one of the worst teams in the championship for a number of shots and shots on target and we're always second in possession. So if you're going to have all those stats against you, you can't always expect to win matches. Uh So playing that one up front again is, is folly for me because you're not creating a great deal. You know, Lewis will be out of the game. I think somebody said he had four touches in one half of football or something or 11 touches in another game in the first half. But that's because of the way Forrest set up. You know, he's not the sort of player who go rampaging across the pitch and, you know, close things down, go sliding in on defenders. He's never been that sort of player. Um, so it's, it just doesn't make any sense to keep going. That's what I say. People now, football teams, look at every team in the league. They go through everything with a fine t- a tooth comb. They'll watch what you do, what how you have possession, where you have possession, where uh, areas you get in that will hurt them. They go through all that on a daily basis. I know for a fact I saw Nigel Clough do it when he was at uh, when he was at Burton when he was at Derby. You know, they went through things methodically and and changed things accordingly when they needed to, and that's a sign of you know doing things right. But if you're predictable, it's going to be difficult all the time because teams know they don't have to do a great deal defensively coming out because they've only got one player to deal with. If I I could play centre half now, I think playing against one striker, you know, because. It's, it, it, it limits what you do. I, I played up front by myself and I know how difficult it is. I did that in the European Cup final against Hamburg and it's, it's hard. You know, I had to run across the line and it's the tightest I've ever been in a football pitch in my life. Um, so it, I think it's a little bit unfair. If, you, if you're on the back foot all the time and you win possession back like we do, sometimes it's difficult to break and get players up to support Lewis because you're defending that deep because you're playing that negative and then you tie yourselves out physically and mentally because you're desperate to try and get help to him but you're having to run 40 50 yards at pace to try and join in with him and not everybody can do that not everybody has got the same pace some are fast some are you know lopers and it's not always easy you know to break out from the back on the counter um you know you can be a counter side at home and a counter attack side you don't have to be a counter attack side away from home you can do it at home if you've got the right personnel but i just don't think we've got the right personnel in the right places at the moment
0: if we look at the upcoming we'll we'll do bristol city predictions in a minute if we look at upcoming fixtures in general there's a big one coming up soon so bristol city international break blackburn at home who are absolutely flying at the moment rotherham who are no mugs, but you should be confident. And then the Derby game. Uh, How are you feeling about those, Sarah? Fearful or optimistic?
1: (laughs) Uh, At the minute, given recent form, I think you're you're bound to be a little bit cautious about going into, uh, particularly that Derby game coming up. I know they haven't made the best of starts, so that's going to be one for the neutral. Um, (laughs) Brittle City on Saturday, that's going to be tough. They're in great form. Um, I mean, they they all look...
0: They look hard exactly. when you're losing. Every game, yeah, exactly. exactly you not losing. I'd
1: be scared if we
2: were playing Doncaster Port Butchers at the moment. <laughs> the way we're playing, that—that <laughs> that, that was Pete Taylor's favourite line. You know, Doncaster Port Butchers was one of the teams he—he he threw in the mix at some point. And you, know, you whoever we play at the moment, you, you, you're fearful mm. because you know the confidence is that low at the moment. Not only haven't we got a point, we haven't got a goal. Yeah, and I think if they just if result, they get a
1: goal though, and they get a result. I think it can turn. You just need something to go for you. You just need... They need a, it be a lucky goal or, a, you know, scrape a 1-0 a win or, or play well if they can, but just something. And then it can turn because that squad, that squad that they've got is really good. They've got some really good players there. They just need... They need the confidence. They just so need something to They're not to being turn. used in
2: the right way for me. You know, mm. It's all right having the players and a good squad, but you have to use those players to their maximum and I don't think you know the majority of them are being used to the maximum I think they feel they could give so much more and would give so much more if they were just given the reign to do that I think they're just being held back from doing what they can do best we've already talked about Cavalio and Silva I think they were restrained from doing what they do best and when you're when you're a a creative player and you're being reined in it's difficult because you, that's not your natural instinct. You want to get forward. You want to make things happen. You want to impress people. But the, the problem with that, that as we've already spoke about, when they did get the ball in good areas, there were very little to hit and, and to pick out because we we're trying to make 60, 70 yards up from defending deep. And you can't always do that. It's, 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 it's just not possible.
0: Uh, We've had that many comments. The one I was going to ask about next has disappeared, so I'm sorry about that. But the question was, and forgive me if I can't find the person to ask it, was about the Gary, about how much longer he can have if uh, they're not winning by the international break, which is the next game. I mean, um, how how much longer do you think a manager's got when um, they've invested heavily? He, he does not need to start winning very soon, I guess, doesn't he?
2: Well, if you go by uh, what we've seen at Olympia Arcos and Forest, with a number of managers, I, I'm not sure how many it is, but it's a lot. You saw what happened to Martin O'Neill, which you know I think surprised quite a few people at the time. Not a lot of people agreed with that. Uh, I think he should have been given more time. Um, I think this game, because of the international break, uh, he was given this next game. I think some people might have expected it after the Huddersfield if we'd have lost that, which we did. But I think because we had one more game before the break, um, if we don't win that, I think unfortunately that could be the end. Nobody likes to see managers sacked; it's, it's it's a horrible thing. But it's the nature of the game of football, and if you're not doing it right, you know you'll get somebody else in. And own. the the disappointing thing for me is everything else is brilliant at the football club. That football club has been transformed off the pitch, for me. Uh, They're doing everything they can for the fans. They're trying to get that new state, uh, stand built. There's a feel-good factor all around, but on the pitch. And that's the most important part. If you get that right and get that positivity with that squad you've got at the moment, things can turn in an instant. Um, Whether, you know, he does go, if they lose on Saturday, we'll have to wait and see, you know. Um, And if he does... Is there any real need to rush into, you know, to get, you know, a new manager and a permanent manager, you know, get somebody in who could work with a squad like that? I mean, I've mentioned Nigel Clough's name, you know, before, not not this time, but before with other managers, because I know I, I know how he works. I, I know how he works with players. I know he, I've, I've seen it. I used to go, up, you know, and watch what he did, at, you know, at Derby and Burton, because I like to see training methods and things like that. And he invited me up uh, to, to go and see, you know, watch them trade and things like that. And the players loved what he did. You know, it was positive. Uh, training was positive. They loved it. You know, he used to take them on, you know, sort of playing golf when, you know, there are a few games, they've got a few days off, things like that. And it lifts you as a player. You know, Brian Club used to do that to us. He used to take us away. You know, you'd had about four or five games in quick succession. You might have lost one. Right, I want your passports. We're going somewhere. We're going to Calabar you know, and that lists you as a player and it, it needs that feel good factor. It needs that positivity. And it's not always a new manager straight in, straight out like we've had before. Um, You know, Nines is a friend and I'm not just saying he's a friend. I wouldn't say it um just as a friend because I know, I know what he can do and I know the effect he has on a football squad. Um, but, you know, Sabre Lamouche is still in the job at the moment and you just hope he wins this game on, on Saturday so the, the the progression can be made and, you know, maybe he can turn things around. But people will speculate, as they always do, um, no matter what football club you're at. Managers don't get the chance anymore, maybe, to have as long as they need. It's modern-day football. It doesn't really happen. Um, so, you know, I'm sure they're looking at the moment. Behind the scenes, um, it's 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 blatantly obvious that that's going to be what's happening if they do lose the game, um, and a long list of you know managers will appear yet again, and it's about getting the right one this time, and uh, it's it's going to be difficult no matter who goes in there because they've got thirty five players in there, and you know a lot of those like we've spoken are going to have to go on loan. They're going to have to get rid of them if they'll go, and it's a hell of a job for anybody. So maybe if it does happen you know, a standing manager might be the uh the way to go forward um see if somebody can turn it round in a in a short shortest space of time um, but that's down to you know the owner and uh, you just hope if it does all go wrong that you know things can happen that can turn things around pretty quickly but you know no panic uh, it's an early season if it was you know, another five or six games in and we'd still not win a game, then you'd be really, really panicking. But there's time to, to put things right, especially, you said it, Sarah, I think we all realise how good the squad is. Uh, maybe no real outstanding standout players in there at the moment. We've always been desperate for strikers and creative midfield players. Um, you know, we've got experience in there now with Arter, uh, with Freeman. You know, you've got creative players in there with knowledge who can help around the dressing room help in training, Um, and you've still got Michael Dawson there, I think can be very influential. So there are positives maybe to look forward to if things do deteriorate because the squad is good. It's not a rubbish squad, and things can be done with that squad because there are very good attacking-minded players in there who I think if they were given the reign, I think might just surprise a few people and surprise the opposition a wee bit. At the moment, we're very predictable, needs to change and we've got the players to do that. Uh,
0: there's an interesting point here from Carl Easton I was going to ask you about, Sarah, about just on that theme, I thought about the lack of fans. I mean, if this was a packed house and Forrest were playing like this, I think they'd be getting dogs abuse now. Do you do you think that um, a lack of a crowd has probably bought Sabri a bit more time to try and turn it around?
1: I think it's probably hurt Forrest. I think they've suffered from not having the fans there i don't think i think there would have been games probably towards the end of last season and, and probably the start of this season that they, they wouldn't have lost if they'd have had their fans there particularly away games you know when that the forest away fans are so loud and so they get behind the team so much they can win you games they can get you over the line they've not had that um but yeah equally when when they're playing this badly and results aren't going their way the crowd gets on your back, they'll boo you off. They'll, You know, you get abuse from the stands. That's, it's bound to happen. Um, so I think it probably could have worked both ways. I think they really suffered from not having fans in. I think they, they would have benefited from having the crowd in at the back end of last season especially.
2: Did you hear the well, fans I, I, a lot when you were playing, Gary? You heard the noise, but you didn't hear anything else. It was just a buzz in the background. Mm. I mean... I've been watching, you know, I watched a lot of the cricket. I've been watching the test matches. I've been watching a lot of the golf. And I think football has been affected more than any other sport because they, they rely on crowds more than cricket and I think than uh, golfers. You know, I've been really enjoying the golf. I think other players have come forward. Certain players have struggled, the top players, certain players at the top have struggled because of lack of crowds with the golf. But others have come forward and it suited their way of play. Cricket. I thought it was brilliant. The test matches we saw, uh, the England games were, you know, were were tremendous. And it didn't really affect them as much as footballers. And that's where mental strength comes into it. It's not about physical strength or fitness. Mentally, you've got to be strong. Some players can do that, others can't. And you see again, you go back to Liverpool, the start they've made. You know, you've got to applaud Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, you know, the start they've made. You know, crowd or no crowd, it doesn't affect them. Others, it has affected. You can see, and maybe it, the combination of last season's collapse and this season's start is taking its toll on players that were there and are still there, uh, on ongoing. But that's got to change. You know, if sadly, you know, Lamusi does lose his job, it might change under a new manager. You know, we, you often look for that honeymoon period where things can, you know, suddenly change and results change. We don't know. It's all speculation. Um but you have to talk about speculation. You you have to say, well, it could happen, um, because all the you know, the papers will say it, the supporters will say it, and we just have to wait and see. It's a very it's probably one of the toughest games he could have had if his career is in the balance to save it. Because Bristol City are a very good team. Not just this season. They've started exceptionally well. They were up and their thereabouts last season by you know, not by fluke, you know, they deserve to be where they were. And uh, it's a very difficult game that, you know, if we win it, you know, it could turn things around for everybody. If we lose it, you know, you sink further into a little bit of despair and the speculation becomes more intense. You know, the, the fans' uh, pressure from the fans becomes more intense. And the further you go down that line, the worse it becomes. You know, the, the less you're winning, uh, the, the worse it gets for everybody. And the players will feel that more than anybody else, believe me. And it's it's up to the senior pros. That's why it's good that Art has come in, Freeman if Freeman's come in, that Michael Dawson's still there. These sort of players and McKenna, these are players who can turn things around, not single handedly, but by just being a presence in that dressing room, you know, talking the younger players around, giving them that encouragement. And yeah. It's it's down to the manager in the end. He always takes the can, which I find very um, unfair uh, because players always get away with it. It's always the manager's fault. Players, it's never their fault. Um, always been that way. Always will be. Um, so, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens if the result goes against or if, the, if we win the game. If we win the game, I think he stays. And he's got a period then of the international break with the players he's brought in to really work on things, get the system he wants, hopefully a positive one, the players he wants within that squad, be brave enough to play them for four or five games so they can get used to each other, because that's what you need to do. I keep calling it the scattergun effect because players keep coming in and out. There's no real cohesion between the squad at the moment, the team that goes out on the pitch, um, so it's, it's it's a matter of doing all those things after this Bristol City game. With that break, it's come at a good time that he can work on things and he can work with players. He can work with the system on the training ground every day. Say, right, we'll try this. We'll try that. Try different things. See if they work. And, you know, that's all you can do. And I agree with you, Sarah. With that squad, there are uh, possibilities, there's potential to turn it round. And just, let's just hope that happens.
0: Right, we're going to have to wrap it up in a minute because I know that Sarah's got a meeting and um, producer.
1: Another
0: one. Moving away, Gary. High-powered meetings all the time. So, uh, last couple of minutes, if people quickly want to drop their predictions in for the Bristol City game as normal, uh, Sarah, you weren't on last week, so you were spared. But last week's predictions were: uh, I said Forest would draw one-one with Huddersfield, so I was wrong. And David Prutton said Forrest would win 2-0, so he was very wrong. Uh, Sarah.
2: <laughs> I, I work with him. He's, he, he's a lovely lad, to be fair. He's a cracking <laughs> lad. He, he, he couldn't predict the day of his own birthday, really.
0: What's your prediction, Sarah, before you have to leave her?
1: Uh, I'll go with 0-0. Uh,
0: Nil-nil, that's good. Or Bristol City? <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> I think that
1: will be a good result. <laughs> um,
2: I, 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 I think it depends on the decide. I, I just hope he's in a positive frame of mind. If he plays a positive game, we can beat anybody with that squad, I think. If he's negative and goes exactly the same, I don't think we've got a chance to beat Bristol City. I think if he surprises them with his selection and he's, he plays with intensity in their half with the players he's got, then we've got as good a chance of beating Bristol City as anybody. If we play the way we've been playing, they'll beat us. Uh,
0: let's just flash a few up quickly on the screen. as loads come in. So we'll just start with um, Nick Pennington. We will win 2-0. Um, Darren Price says Keith Stroud is the ref, so take it a 1-1. Uh, yeah, it's probably red cards, not goals. Um, Kev Watson, a 2-0 loss. Owen Bailey, uh, Keith Stroud effect. Uh, Darren beers two 0 loss and on and on and on. Um, I am going to say one one again. I think Forest going to get a goal and a point, and we'll see if that gets them going. I don't know if it will.
2: Just um, going back to the Oakfield game. Let's let's talk about referees. That decision in the first minute of the game, uh, that tackle on Arter was an absolute disgrace, and it didn't even get a yellow card. You know, and if if, if somebody gets sent off in that game, that's how things can turn. He gets sent off in the first minutes, which he should have been. And I hate this about referees at times. They give players the benefit of the doubt because it's in the first few minutes of a game. It doesn't matter if it's in the first few minutes of a game. If players know they're not going to get sent off, they'll keep doing tackles like that. You should be sent off for a tackle like that, whether you've been playing 10 seconds or 97 minutes. It was a red card, didn't even get a yellow, could have changed things around and didn't. So, you know, these things, it's like in the last game of last season. Reading got a player sent off uh, against Stoke, didn't they? Just before half time, they're down to ten men. They held on in the last. They got tired, and then the two goals came late on, which cost us our place. Things like that have gone against us a little bit, but you know, you just hope they turn around. But let's hope he's positive Saturday. Don't be negative against a side like Bristol City, because they believe in themselves, and we've got to believe in ourselves. Uh, you know, when when we've got that team out there. That looks the right team to play the right system. Fingers crossed.
0: Very true. Right. Uh I'll thank everyone for joining us. We've had absolutely loads of comments more than ever on this. So thanks for everyone who watched along. Thank you, Sarah. I hope you thank
2: enjoyed you. that.
1: Thank you, Gary.
2: Just a quick one. Uh, you know, people think I'm negative. I'm I'm so positive about everything that's happening at Forest, you know, because I've seen behind the scenes how good it is off the pitch and everything. And, I'm, you know, it's unbelievable what they're trying to do. It's just on the pitch. And I'm, I'm saying it because I'm passionate. I'm born and bred Nottingham. I was lucky enough to play for my hometown team. And I'm desperate as anybody for them to get out the championship and do well, no matter who the manager is. So it's just frustration. It's passion. I've always had that passion. I've always played like that. I was always very vocal on the pitch. And I won't stop being vocal because I want them to do well. You know, that's simple as that it's nothing to do with not liking anybody or anything else i want like every forest fan them to succeed get out this championship get into the premier league and that's that, that's what it's all about i'll never lose that passion for nottingham forest
0: excellent gary everyone loves you so those uh, are comments yeah <laughs> No, they do. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for watching. I must end by thanking people who have given us nice reviews on iTunes. Uh, We had some really good comments and five-star reviews there, and I do read them because I get a bit obsessed about this podcast. So uh, thanks for those. We'll be back next week. We'll gladly have Gary back on soon when his blood pressure's lowered. um, I'm on
2: tablets for it, actually. So am I.
0: So am I. I'm 37, and I'm on blood pressure tablets. It's ridiculous. It's these chins. I've got to lose (laughs) a (laughs) few. Thanks everyone who watched along, and uh, we'll be back next week. And hopefully, forests are up and running when we talk uh, soon. So, thanks very much, everyone. We'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red and Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.